podcast of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS Missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Some of you might remember the bumper sticker from a long time ago, although you still see it on some old cars here and there, less in Canada, a little bit more in the United States. He who dies with the most toys wins. And that is sort of a description of how an awful lot of people in the West have lived their lives. That everything that we do is about the acquisition of stuff, of money, of power, of fame, all of which leads us to have as many things as we can get from Kelfu Laval or any other shopping mall that we want to go to on any given day, at least when they're open and not under COVID restrictions. Money, power, and fame is what drives the average human being once their basic needs are looked after. Once you've got shelter, once you've got food on your table, then you want to get more of the same. We want to have money so that we can buy our own toys and stuff, as much of it as we want. Oh, if only we could win the Powerball jackpot or Lotto 649 or whatever the scratch and sniff thing is this week, then we could have all the stuff we want. Or we want power so that we can make others give us the toys and stuff that we want. Or if only we had fame, And then other people would just freely send us toys and stuff for us to use as media influencers on YouTube or on Snapchat or on Instagram. COVID, amongst the many things that God, I think, is trying to use it to teach us, is also trying to teach us the lesson that stuff is not everything. Here, a lot of us have been locked away with all of our toys with all of our stuff, week in, week out, in quarantine. And we've discovered that all of this stuff and being able to even get more stuff through Amazon delivered to us at a moment's notice doesn't bring us the happiness or joy or contentment that we thought it might. So what does? Well, Paul thought that he had it all figured out that it really wasn't about stuff or toys. It was about righteousness. Well, we know that material stuff can't bring happiness or contentment, but if I know that I am a good person, if I have a benchmark against which I can measure myself and say, I have reached the pinnacle, I have cleared the bar, I have jumped as high as you can possibly jump, God has got to be happy with me, then, then surely, we could be happy. Paul says, look, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh to be able to say, I am a good person, I, Paul writes to the Philippians, have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, God's chosen folks, of the tribe of Benjamin, I even know where my lineage comes from. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews, As to the law, I'm a Pharisee, not like those Sadducees that skip over all the parts they don't like. And as to zeal, a persecutor of those blasphemers that call themselves Christian. And as to righteousness, 
under the law, blameless. Never missed a festival, never misunderstood a temple ritual. I did it all, Paul says. Paul said, look at all of you people that are chasing after power and money and fame. I have gone one better than you. Paul understands, you see, at least, that stuff isn't enough. Happiness and contentment has to come from somewhere else. The best car in the world, the nicest house in the world, the most powerful gaming system in the world, the biggest paycheck in the world cannot center you. It cannot give you a place in the world to know who you are and why you are here. Paul says, I was a Jew, a descendant of Abraham. I thought I was something before God. I, Paul says, was a worker in the vineyard of the Lord. And that wasn't enough. See, because what Paul realized is that while it is important to have identity and that you're not going to get your identity from money, power, or fame, from the best cars, from the best houses, that all of that is never going to be enough, he has tried to build an identity for himself on his own work, on the things he has done for God, and realize that when you build on yourself, you come to the realization that you're not actually very good building material. That was Paul's realization. Paul realized, too, that he couldn't make his own guilt go away for all the things that he had done and failed to do. That even though he was going through all of the proper temple rituals, even though he was doing his best to follow the law, even though he was a good Pharisee and a good descendant of Benjamin and a persecutor of the church, his conscience still nagged at him. Somehow he knew that he wasn't doing the right things and that all of the spas and retreats and yoga classes and deep breathing exercises in the world could not put his conscience at ease. Look at the parable Jesus lays before us today. The vineyard workers had to have been so proud of being called to be tenants in the Lord's vineyard. The vineyard that the Lord's beloved painstakingly built up and planted. But in their zeal for the vineyard, they forgot about the master. And so they shamefully treated his envoys, even killing his son. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, Jesus said, what will he do to those tenants? The people said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the fruits in their seasons. Because, you see, we're not very good building material. Not only are we not good building material, we don't even know what is good building material when we see it. And so Jesus says to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? That this was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes? The very best of building materials comes along on which to start building a place in the world. Something that will see us through quarantines and 
diseases and economic disaster. And when it comes along, we reject it. Paul knew that toys and stuff and money and power and fame were not enough. He needed to build his life on a solid foundation. He needed to find an identity for himself and find a way to deal with a guilty conscience. But he built his identity on shaky ground because he built it on himself. It was in the Messiah of his God, Jesus of Nazareth, that Paul found a different foundation. A foundation that was not built by himself, but a foundation that was built for him and given to him. Now, at first, if you're following Philippians carefully and reading along in this chapter, it might sound like Paul is just building on faith instead of on law that he is trusting in his trust, if you will, instead of banking on his obedience, that he shifted one way of building for another way of building. After all, Paul does write, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as trash, rubbish, refuse, the stuff in the bottom of the outhouse, in order that I might gain Christ. But that's not the case. Yes, Paul talks about having a righteousness of his own that comes through faith in Christ, having the righteousness from God that depends on faith, knowing him and the power of his resurrection, that by any means possible he may attain the resurrection from the dead, But then Paul goes on to say this. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now let's unpack this, because this is where Paul has recognized he is built on the wrong thing, and now he is going to build on a foundation given to him in Christ. First, Paul says, Christ Jesus has made me his own. True and lasting identity must be given to you. Given in such a way that it cannot be taken away. It cannot be something that we have earned or merited or constructed for ourselves. Now, if you want a real world example of this during this pandemic, go and talk to someone who has lost their job and who has built their identity on their work. Work is great. Work is good. But if it is who we are, what happens when that work gets taken away? Who are we? Why do we exist? Why are we here? Many of you have probably followed the story of Trump's former campaign manager. Mind you, he's had a few. The most recent former campaign manager, Brad Parscale, who on finding not only that he had lost his work, but that he was now under investigation, 
apparently attempted to take his own life. Didn't know who he was anymore. Why he was here. What his future was. So Paul says, I'm in a much better place now because I know that Christ Jesus has made me his own, just as he has made you and I his own in baptism, claimed us, given us the name that is above every name, that is, children of God, brothers and sisters of Christ. Secondly, Paul goes on to say, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Now, you could look at that as being a time thing. Paul's working on it. It's not my own yet, but it's going to be my own someday, which would get us back to the problem we just talked about. But I don't think that's what Paul means if you read the text carefully. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. So he's saying, here's the thing that I'm not doing, and here's the thing that I am doing. The thing that he's not doing is saying that I've made it my own. Why? Because it's something given to him by Christ, not something that he has earned. The only thing that he can do is forget what was behind, that has now been forgiven in Christ and washed clean, and strain towards what lies ahead. There's a Lutheran proverb that says, the gospel is for the past, the law is for the future. Now, what does that mean? It means exactly what Paul is saying here. I am not going to go and dwell on all the things that happened yesterday and the day before and the day before that. I'm not going to go back and dwell on the fact that I was a persecutor of the Church of Christ. I'm not going to go back and let Satan dig up my past and remind me of all the places where I've failed. But at the same time, even though all of that is covered under the gospel and wiped clean, and even God remembers it no more, we don't look at tomorrow and say, and so I'm going to do whatever I want tomorrow because, hey, it's all going to be under the cross of Christ. Tomorrow, we strain forward for the prize. Tomorrow, we want to live for Christ, who has died for us and given us the promise of the resurrection. And thirdly, Paul talks about the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We have the call, Paul says. Now we await the prize. But do not confuse the two. Paul isn't striving for the call. He has heard the call, and he knows now the call is his. He has been baptized into Christ Jesus. He bears the name of the Son of God. And now the rest of his life is straining towards the prize for those who have been called in Christ. So, the question for all of you is this, and for me as well. Have we realized today that stuff is not enough? Have we tried making an identity for ourselves that will last us through the difficult days of life and failed? Have we found ourselves again and again trying to deal with our own past and our own mistakes, whether they be big or small, and finding that no amount of deep breathing or yoga or classes or anything else can get us a clean conscience? 
Have you found that you have been trying over and over again to reject the cornerstone? If that is the case, then Christ's upward call is being issued to you. And the upward call of Christ is to repent of trying to make yourself something when apart from God's work in Christ Jesus, you are nothing. It's to repent of valuing things more than God and his gifts, including the gift of the forgiveness of sins, the promise of resurrection, the gift of the people that God has surrounded you with, the gift of time that you have today and tomorrow, because we know that time is limited, and there will be a time when each and every one of us will be called home. The upward call of Christ Jesus to each and every one of us today is this, that we ought to suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that we might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own that comes from our own efforts, but the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, that we each and every day no matter whether things go well or things go poorly, may know him and the power of his resurrection. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless your week.